Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, we're starting a brand new series about the Ten Commandments, and we're calling it the Forgotten Commandments because if we're all to be really honest, even if you've been in church your whole life, it's really hard to remember all of the Ten Commandments. I want you to just think for a moment, if you've been in church your whole life, think for a moment, how many of the commandments do you think you could just say right now, like that you could list out? I bet you that there are very few of you who could name all 10. And so if you're here and you have no church background, you know as much as those of us who do have a church background today, as we dig into the 10 commandments, we're gonna be looking throughout this series at some of the commandments that we maybe talk about less. Like, what does it mean to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? Should we follow the exact words of how God gave them to Israel for what the Sabbath looked like in the Old Testament? Or is there some new way to approach it? Or we're gonna look at the commandment to not take the Lord's name in vain. What does that mean? And and how should we interact with these commandments? So it's going to be a fun series, but today we're going to start by kind of giving an overview of what the 10 commandments are about. What are they for? Are they the same today for us as they were for Israel? Because the 10 commandments were given by God to a specific group of people at a specific time but should we pay attention or interact with them in the same way? So we're gonna kind of do an overview of that today, but I wanna start by saying this. Anytime that God gave rules, it was so important for people to dive in and look behind the rules at what God was teaching them because a misunderstanding of rules by God can lead to a misunderstanding of God. Or, or let me put that the other way. Sometimes a misunderstanding of God can lead to a misunderstanding of what rules are about or what they are for. And we have a lot of misunderstandings about God because of the ways that we've interacted with rules throughout our life. I was singing this week, uh, back to a time growing up, I don't know if I was like 10 or 11, but during the summer, one of my favorite things to do, I'd go over to my friend's house and spend the night. And there'd always be a group of guys of us that would go to his house. He had the best house for spending the night because his room was in a basement. And so in the basement, we could wait until everybody, all the adults, the parents went to bed and we could sneak out to the great room in the basement where the box TV was and we'd play the Nintendo 64. We were obsessed with playing the Nintendo 64. And, and we, we, we picked the best games. It was Mario Kart 64, Mario Smash Brothers, NFL Blitz was amazing, but then there was one game that like we had to play when it was all of us together. And if you played this game, you know, it's, it's the top game for the Nintendo 64. It was, it was 007 GoldenEye. I mean, <laughs> duh, this was the game to play. Now, when we would play, we had one rule together. Do not wake up the adults. If we wake up the adults, our good time is going to turn into a bad time, okay? The problem was we had been hyped up on plenty of Mountain Dew, Doritos, and candy, okay? And now we're competing against each other. So first, we're whisper yelling, all right? Like, ja, ja, you stink, yes, this is awesome. But then it got to talking, and then it got to like, dude, shut up, stop, shut up, shut up. And before we know it, someone would yell, and it was always inevitable. We knew the party was over because we could hear my friend's dad, who had to work the next morning, we could hear the rumbling upstairs. And, it, and it, wasn't, it wasn't a slow walk, it was a fast walk. 
and he was a heel striker, okay? Like the house was shaking. You could feel it like just, just the guilt was just every step, like boof, boof. We would sprint to the room. We know it's like, it's already, our cover's blown. We already know we're in trouble. I don't know why we're sprinting to hide, but we would. And then he would call my friend. And I swear, my, my friend's dad had one of those voices that sounded like a subwoofer. It just did. And so he would call my friend. My friend would go out and we're just sitting there like shaking in, in our beds. Like, oh no, oh no. My friend would come back, just the walk of shame. He wouldn't even talk to us without us asking like, dude, what happened? He's like, I'm never allowed to have friends again. It's, it's over. My life's over. I was talking on the phone with this friend yesterday and I was telling him, dude, I, this is funny. I'm, I'm telling the story of how afraid of your dad I am and uh, talking about this. He said, oh, oh, good. Be sure and tell your church. That's why I'm in therapy today. So, <laughs> oh. It's so easy because of our interaction with rules to misunderstand why God put rules together. And it's so easy when we look at the 10 commandments specifically, especially because of the way that we interact with their wording. Their wording is like, thou shalt not. And when I read them, I'm like, thou shalt not. And if you do, I just have this image sometimes that if I do, I'm gonna disturb God up in heaven and he's gonna have to wake up and thunder's gonna start happening because he's gotta walk. And now I have disturbed him that he's gotta think about me. And now he's gonna have an interaction with me, which is only about discipline. And it's so easy to put God in that box, yet that's not what the 10 commandments were ever intended to be or to do. And so today I want to get a right understanding of why God gave the Ten Commandments to Israel so that we can understand what they are for us today, because I want us to have a better understanding of who God is. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Exodus chapter 20. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. We're going to start at verse one. We've got a long reading, so, so bear with me. We're going to read through the whole list of the Ten Commandments here. And again, if, if you were trying to take a guess at how many you remember, just try to think of the ones that you forgot along the way, okay? Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down or worship them or, or bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even the children in the land of the, in, in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Here's the third commandment. You must not misuse the name of the Lord. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. The fourth commandment here, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Here's the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The sixth commandment, you must not murder. The seventh, you must not commit 
adultery. The eighth, you must not steal. The ninth, you must, the ninth, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. This is lying. And then the 10th commandment, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Older translations had those phrases that you've probably heard, the thou shalt nots. This is a huge list of thou shalt nots. What was God's intended purpose for these? I wanna go through some points and, and we'll break it down together. The, the first point today is that the 10 commandments are a map to God's love. Just say that again. The 10 commandments are a map to God's love. What I don't mean by that, right out of the gate, is that the 10 commandments are not a list of rules that you have to keep in order to earn God's acceptance. They are not a list of rules that you need to follow through with in order for you to be able to have a relationship with God. Probably the most important detail that I just read came in what God said before he ever gave Israel a rule. I wanna go back to verse two here in Exodus 20, where he said, I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. Now, just a little background so that we understand. Israel as a nation had just spent 400 years in captivity and slavery in a foreign land. And they called out for God and God came to Moses and called him to lead them out of slavery and captivity. And this is a moment after they have been set free from slavery. God worked a miracle at the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea so that they could get away from their enemy, from their slavery, from their captivity. They were now a free people on the way to a promised land. And God was letting them know before he ever gave them a rule that he had a relationship that he was, he was intending to have with them. He rescued them because he wanted a relationship with them. Before God ever gave Israel a rule, he built a relationship with them. The 10 commandments and God's rules are not a list of rules to keep us out of a relationship with God. Instead, they are a map for God to show us what his love looks like and what a relationship with him looks like. You see, Josh McDowell, he, he says this quote, and I think this is brilliant. He said that rules without a relationship leads to rebellion. Let me say that again so we can think about that. Rules without a relationship leads to rebellion. God was not intending to set rules to place us apart. God built a relationship. Now the flip side of that thought is that relationships without any rules leads to chaos. And our God is not a chaotic God, he's a God of order. And so what he did with Israel is after he rescued them and built a relationship, he laid out for them terms of what his love looks like and the way that he intended for them to engage in what his love looks like. And Jesus further simplified this when he was asked what the greatest commandment was. He kind of summed them all up in a simple statement about love. Look at this, Matthew 22, 37 40, it says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
the entire law, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus was letting them know, like the whole purpose of the law, the whole purpose of the 10 commandments was to show us a map to what loving God looks like and loving others, his creation looks like. Let's put a list of the 10 commandments. I think we're gonna throw it on the screen here so we can see how we interact. The first four commandments are about us loving God, that vertical relationship, us to God, have no other gods before him. We shouldn't make idols. We, we should not take his name in vain or misuse his name. We should remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy because that's what he did. So these are our vertical relationships. Then the next six are about how we love others. The second command is like it. Like Jesus said, the horizontal relationships. This is honoring your father and mother, not murdering, not committing adultery, not stealing, not lying, not coveting. These are about our horizontal relationships. The 10 commandments are a map to show us what it looks like to be in relationship and love God and love others, to love our creator and love his creation. To love our creator and love his creation. The Old Testament word for law is the word Torah. And the Torah is actually what, what we call the first five books of the Bible. That is God's law and his word. Now, our English translation, when we've taken the word Torah, we've translated that word as law. And, and that is accurate. But when we think of law, we think of things that are rigid, that we, that we have to absolutely follow. Like we think of really hard fences. We think of speeding laws or civil laws or, 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 or moral laws. Like they're, they're very distinct things. But if you were to actually translate the word Torah accurately, what Torah would mean is pointing the way. Say that again. What Torah would mean is pointing the way. God's law, his Torah, was to point the way for people to see what it looked like to love him and to love others. After he rescued Israel, he lays out the terms of his love. It's kind of like wedding vows. When Katie and I got married, we made commitments to each other of the terms of our relationship, what we were committed to together, what God was doing for Israel is he was saying, these are the terms, these are the terms that I am committed to uphold in my relationship with you. God was teaching them about his love so that they could respond to his rescuing and love him in return. And so that they could know how they were designed to love others, to love each other. This is a map for God's love. It's a map for God's love for you and me. See, unlike, unlike something we do, like God, God doesn't make rules that are simply about his comfort or simply about his benefit alone. Do you have rules like for your kids or did your parents have rules for you that you know were really rules about their comfort or their benefit. Like when we, when we put Anna, our youngest, down for a nap, we also have an hour-long rest time for our oldest, Haley. Now, that hour of rest time, sure, it's good for Haley. But if I'm being honest, the real motivation for that, for Katie and I, is we're parents and we need like to breathe a little bit, right? We, we need a moment. Where we, where we can kind of capture our thoughts and, and, and accomplish what we need to accomplish. There's, there's some 
part of the motivation that, that benefits us. This is not how God set up rules for you and I. God did not set up rules for his comfort so that you wouldn't disturb heaven so that he could breathe for a moment. God already has everything he needs. He doesn't need you to follow the rules so that he can have what he needs. He laid out his rules for Israel for their benefit. He lays out his rules for you and I for our benefit so that we don't have to aimlessly walk through our lives wondering, God, how did you create me? What does it look like to love like you love? And what does it look like to love others the way that you love? God created the laws for our benefit. Look at Deuteronomy 12, 28. It says, be careful to obey all my commands so that all will go well with you and your children after you because you will be doing what is good and pleasing to the Lord. God laid out, he pointed the direction for our benefit. And I want, I want, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God laid them out so that we could have health and wealth and prosperity, but God pointed them in a direction so that we could have a healthy relationship with our creator and so that we could have a healthy relationship the way he intended for how we love others. The 10 commandments are a map to God's love. They're a map to God's love. They're for our benefit. And when we walk in them, he gets glory from that as well. Because part of why he gave them to Israel was because when they chose to trust his laws as opposed to the world around them who would build their own rules based on their own feelings or their own best ideas, the nation of Israel was to be set apart. And their holiness, their trust in God was to show the rest of the world that the God of Israel was the one true God who created everyone. And he wants a relationship with everyone. This is a map for us to God's love. And it's a map through our obedience to God's love for the world around us. The second thing that the 10 commandments are is a mirror for my sin. The 10 commandments are a mirror for my sin. When we look at the standard of what God's love is, it doesn't take long reading through to realize that we fall well short of that standard. Romans 5.20 says this, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. And Jesus, when he was here, he was the only one who lived without sin. He's the only one who lived perfectly according to God's law. And then he died, the Bible tells us that he died for the sins of the world. But what the Bible doesn't say is that Jesus abolished or did away with the law or did away with the 10 commandments. The Bible tells us that he fulfilled the law. And what Jesus did is he took the 10 commandments and he made that mirror go a little bit deeper than the surface. <laughs> Like he took his explanation of what sinning, of what falling short of that standard was, was deeper than the way that we had perceived it. Look at how Jesus describes adultery in a conversation he had in the New Testament. This is in the book of Matthew. It says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Like Jesus took a commandment and said, it's beyond the surface level of what you think cheating is. 
Like if you are just going there and in your mind and in your, in your heart, you are lusting after another individual, you are sinning. You are breaking this commandment. The Ten Commandments are a mirror for the sin of the world. And the truth about sin is it's not only us falling short of God's standard. If, if God's standard is pointing the way to his love, is it pointing the way to his best, then when we sin, what we're doing is we're walking the other way. And, and sin has consequences. It has a curse on our lives. It has a curse in our relationship with God. It has a curse in our relationship with others. It has a curse on our society and our world. And so I was, I was thinking about this and, and I, I just spent some time kind of thinking about the curse that's happening in our world because of adultery right now. And I just wanted to kind of look at some of the effects of what's happening. Because here's part of the curse that takes place with sin. When we choose to go the other direction, not only do we walk in and receive the consequences of not following God, not only do we receive that curse, but our eyes get even blinded to the fact that what we are doing is wrong. We start getting blinded to the effects of what is happening. The enemy not only wants to get you to choose to not trust God's love, he wants to blind you so that you can't see that sin is destroying your life. He wants to blind our society so that we can't see that sin is destroying, it's destroying our nation. It's destroying our world. Listen to some of these statistics about the effects of pornography right now in our generation. How Jesus would describe adultery is if you even lust after another individual in your heart or your mind. Listen to this. 40 million, this is just Americans. This is just the effects here in America. 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. Over $3,000 is spent every second on the porn industry. Just wanna say that again. Over $3,000 is spent every second on the porn industry. The porn industry's yearly revenue is greater than the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB combined. Did you hear that? The yearly revenue is greater than the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB combined. It's no longer a problem that's mostly about men as we've perceived. One in three porn visits to, to porn sites is women. And it's affecting our children. 11 is the average age of the first exposure to pornography. And 94% of kids have been exposed to pornography by the age of 14. And if you want an example of how blind, how blind America is getting to this issue, how blind we've become to what's going on, 45% of adults that are over 25 think that there is no moral issue with pornography. Almost one out of every two people that you meet would say that there's no problem with porn. That's people over 25. Those numbers get even more alarming the younger you get. 
And this is what I would say to those individuals that have kind of said, well, I know God said don't commit adultery, but I'm really not sure how big of a deal it really is. I'm not really sure how big of a deal porn is. Here's some of the effects of what is happening because of porn. 56% of divorces have a spouse who's addicted to porn. 56% of, of divorces have a spouse who's addicted to porn. Porn use increases the marital infidelity rate by 300%. Now, according to Jesus, just, just engaging in viewing pornography, that is infidelity. But according to what this is talking about, this is talking about 300%, you're 300% more likely to cheat with another person than your spouse if you're looking at porn. And this is probably to me the most heartbreaking effects of pornography. You cannot separate pornography and the sex trafficking industry. You cannot separate the effects that pornography is having on the sex trafficking industry and the effect that that is having on our world. This is, this is heartbreaking. This is heartbreaking. One out of five pornographic images found on the internet is of a minor. Over half of the world's child pornography is produced right here in the United States. And the sales of these illegal images bring in over $3 billion every single year to the United States alone. Is that not sobering? Is that not sobering? God is wanting to show a map through the Torah, his way to a better kind of love. And he's showing us so clearly a mirror into what sin is. And when we look at what's happening in our world, we cannot disconnect the curse of what's going on in our world from the choice to walk away from God's direction. We cannot separate this. And you may be here in the room today and say, wow, that's heavy. I need to pray for my country, but I'm really glad that I don't struggle with pornography. You know what the scriptures say? The scriptures say that if you struggle with any part of the law, you're as guilty as anyone else. Look at James 2, 10. It says the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of the laws. And you know what the book of Romans says? It says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God laid out a map to the standard of what his love was to point us in the direction, but also to show us that we've fallen short. <laughs> that we can't meet a standard. And I, and I have worse news for us this morning. There's nothing that you or I can do in our own strength to make up for the sin in our life. We can't go backwards and change it we can't do enough good works to pay for it. And in fact, after God gave the 10 commandments in the Old Testament, there was a whole system set up of animal sacrifices because God is merciful, but he's also just. <laughs> like when someone is murdered, God's justice has to deal with that. God, God is just. Sin is not okay with God. And so there was a system set in place, a sacrificial system in hopes of paying for sin. But look at what it says in Hebrews 
chapter 10. It says, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped for the worshipers would have purified once for all time and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The old system was never going to fully take care of the curse of sin. But I have good news. That's what point three is, and it's gonna be a little redundant today. The 10 commandments are a map to God's love. See, they show us the standard of God's love and what a covenant relationship looks like with him, but they show us that we've broken that relationship. Our sin has fractured that relationship. And what they show us is that we have a need for a savior who can fix what's been fractured in that relationship. And the good news of the 10 commandments is that before God gave Israel rule, he rescued them. And before he knew that they would be incapable of meeting the standard of the relationship, he had a rescue plan in place from the moment that he created the world. He had a rescue plan in place to say, I'll deal with, I'll deal with paying for the sin of the world. And that's why he sent his son. And he sent his son for you and I before we ever followed one of his rules. His rescue plan was in place before you were able to obey or go in the right direction. Look what it says in Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God did not create a list of rules in hopes to keep you out of relationship with him. God gave us the Torah to point us to our creator, to a love that we can't even fathom on our own, that we can't find anywhere else. And I love the beauty in the details of the Lord that he calls it the Torah, that it was pointing the way. Do you know who claimed to be the way to your relationship with God? Who is the way to the relationship with God? That's right. Look at what it says in John 14, 6. It says, Jesus told him, I am the way. The 10 commandments were pointing us to our need for the one who could point us to our relationship with God. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the father except through me. If you're grateful for Jesus, we're gonna praise him right now audibly. We're gonna praise him audibly. All campuses, come on Pendleton, come on. Jesus is the way to a relationship with God. He showed us God's love in an unmatched way. And he taught us God's love very simply by telling us that our responsibility is to love God and love others. 
Israel was given 10 commandments after they were rescued. The 10 commandments for them were an appropriate response for a merciful God. And what I would tell you, church, at all of our campuses right now, if you are a follower of Jesus, the 10 commandments are not something we leave behind. They are an appropriate response to a God who showed us mercy before we could take care of this on our own. This is how we worship God by saying, God, I'm not gonna get it perfect, but you know what? I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. You're the way. I'm gonna follow your type of love. I'm gonna follow what your father has taught us in the word, what he has shown us in the word for what loving you looks like. Because God, you've shown me mercy. I don't deserve your grace, but God, out of worship for you, I'm gonna follow and go that direction. God, I wanna love you. And God, you're teaching me in these 10 commandments, you're teaching me how to love others, your creation. You're teaching me how to love those that you created. So God, out of a response, this is a, an appropriate, proper response to a merciful God. God, teach me how to love others. As we go through this series and as we look at different commandments together. I wanna encourage the believers, those who are following Jesus, I want you to just ask these two questions as we go throughout. God, would you teach me through this commandment how to love you? And God, would you teach me through this commandment how to love others? Would you teach me so that I can appropriately respond to the mercy that you've shown me when I've fallen short? Would you teach me how to love you and how to love others? And if you are here at any of our campuses right now, or even if you're watching online and you've never given your life to Jesus, he said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's nothing you can do to make up for the sin in your life, but Jesus paid the price for you. You could give your life to Jesus right now. So I'm gonna ask that we pray at all of our campuses, every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you're at one of our campuses right now and you would say, I wanna receive the free gift of salvation. God, I wanna trust your rescue plan for me and I wanna begin to follow Jesus. If that's you at any one of our campuses right now, I'm gonna ask that you would just raise your hand up high and just keep it held there for a moment. No one's looking around. Just hold your hand up high for a moment and we're gonna pray a prayer any of our campuses, just hold your hand up high right now. I wanna follow Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. If that's you, you pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you died for my sins. And I believe that you are the way to my relationship with my creator. So I'm asking you today to save me from my sins so that I can be made right with God. And I'm gonna commit to follow you the way, the truth, and the life to the best of my ability from this moment forward. And God, for the rest of us, as we go throughout this series, Lord, I pray, I pray that you would give us just a renewed gratitude for the grace and mercy that you've shown us. God, that we would have a better and, and more accurate understanding of who you are through these 10 commandments. God, that you're not a God who set up rules to separate yourself from us, but God, you want relationship with us. You aren't the one staying away from us. We're the one walking away from you. And so God, I just pray for those of us in the room 
that have been misunderstanding what the relationship looks like, I pray that we would have a gratitude for your grace and mercy, that we would repent of our sins, turn back and come right back to you through the power of Jesus. And that God, you would show us your love. Show us how to love you and show us how to love others, God. Lord, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful for that word Torah that's pointing us in the way. And Lord, we do. We pray that you would give us strength to trust that you made these rules for our benefit and your glory. Would we trust you to follow you in that way? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.